Hello, welcome to River Road Presbyterian Church. This podcast is an audio-only version of Pastor Ray Roberts' weekly sermon. Whether you missed worshiping with us this week, dozed off during the sermon, or are just checking us out for the first time, we welcome you to our River Road family. For those of you who may be new, we would love to have you visit with us. We have two worship services each Sunday, a 9 a.m. informal service and an 11 a.m. traditional worship service that is also live-streamed. You can find that stream, recordings of past services, and learn more about our church and the many ways for you to connect with us at rrpcusa.org. We hope to see you soon. I love baptisms. Just want to say that. Maybe you're the strange person who doesn't, but I love them. <laughs> They're just fantastic. You know, we, we, we've got a little baby boomlet going on right now in our church. Uh, we've got a, quite a few babies. Uh, I know they had the pool party. You had three babies uh, there uh, yesterday at people babes in arms and stuff. So we've got this little little community of people uh, who are who are uh, going to grow up in, in this church. It's pretty exciting stuff. So I'm sure you all remember my sermon from Labor Day. You probably remember every one of my sermons, I'm sure, quite well. And uh, the sermon from Labor Day is, no doubt you recall, was about uh, how good work participates in God's work of creation and in God's work of redemption. And that was kind of the main point of the sermon. I, I could have said it that short, but, you know, you pay me to go long. So uh, uh, one of the things, you know, little babies are, are born unfinished. Uh, Vance and Sarah Catherine, you may have noticed, she's not finished. She needs a lot of attention and care. And, and uh, parents and teachers and mentors and communities participate with parents in the creative work of helping a child uh, grow to be uh, a, an adult who participates in God's world. And there's, there's all kinds of ways that many other jobs uh, involve participating with God in, in the work of creation. And, and we also said that, that good work participates in God's work of redemption as well. And there's, you know, we've got some folks who've worked in the medical field, you've all participated in God's work of healing, and some of you involved are lawyers involved in the criminal justice system, and, which is supposed to produce justice, and, uh, and other ways. And sometimes, you know, the line between cre- God's work of creation and the work of redemption is not always clear. If there's a dispute between uh, a, 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 a seed seller and a farmer, uh, you know, which is it? Uh, it's both. And so, uh, but as I preach that sermon, I wonder, what is, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? How does our work participate in what the Spirit is doing? And to help us with that, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. There are a lot of passages I looked at, and it's not the passage printed in your bulletin, but it's after uh, much prayer and thought and trying to figure out uh, what I should say about this. Romans 8. Beginning with verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You who raised Christ from the dead, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies as through his spirit that dwells in you. 
And then he shifts his focus to the future, and that's going to be really important for the sermon. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That is, it's all creation that participates in what God's doing here. We know the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So if we're going to... Let's, let's pray. Gracious God, may the same spirit that inspired the writing of these words inspire us to follow the one who is your living word, even Jesus the Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. <coughs> so if we're going to talk about... Got a little frog in my throat. <coughs> about how our work participates in the work of the Spirit, we probably ought to think a little bit about what is the work of the Spirit. And the way to think about that, <clears throat> the way to think about that is to think about how the Spirit participates in all the other work that God does. <coughs> so if you remember the baptismal prayer that we said, we said the Spirit was hovering over the water in the beginning of creation, Right? Out of, over the formless void, and then God spoke. That's the second person of the Trinity, the Word. God spoke and brought creation to life. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is also the Spirit of life. In Psalm 104, we read, When you send forth your Spirit, they're created, when you, and you renew the face of the ground. And Psalm 104 is the longest meditation on creation in the Bible, in the meaning of creation. So the Spirit is the Spirit of life. We're not talking about something that just lives in a church. It's the spirit of life. Spirit is also involved in, in the, God's work of redemption. In Luke's gospel, the Holy Spirit comes over Mary, and Jesus is born. In Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and he, and he is empowered, and then immediately sent off by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And then when Jesus begins his ministry, the inaugural sermon, he says, what does he say? This is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberation for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And a Trinitarian theology doesn't have like creation and redemption kind of going off their separate ways. They all line up. God's got the same purpose and intention 
and what God is working for in God's work of creation and in the work of redemption is what we call new creation. New creation. Jesus called it God's kingdom, the regnum of God, the dominion, the divine dominion. In Revelation, John has a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that God will be all in all. I just want to make an aside. The new heavens and the new earth, it's not an annihilation of this earth like it doesn't matter. This earth matters to God. Um, this is not like, we can't be irresponsible children who say, well, we can wreck this car because God's going to give us a new one. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. Right? No, 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 no. There's some heretics who say that. Um, but that's, no. It, Genesis, in Genesis, God calls creatures to care for the garden. And so, and so we're called to care for this earth. Creation cares. It's part of the believer's calling. And <clears throat> we are caring for the earth as God will make this earth new, a world made new. That's the promise. So all of God's work lines up on this new creation, kingdom, uh, God all in all. All of it lines together. God's out a single purpose. And work in the spirit has the same eschatological horizon. And I know eschatology is a big word, but I mean, we saw it in our passage. All creation is groaning. All creation, because it's been subjected to futility. And we too groan inwardly because we have the first fruits. The Spirit is the first fruits. It's like when you go out in mid July and you see figs on your tree. There's going to be one that's going to be ripe, but there's a whole bunch that's coming. And we have the first fruits. We also, Paul says, groan inwardly, longing for the, the liberation of creation, God's new heaven and new earth. And so, so this is the purpose. And when we work in the Spirit, we are aligned with God's purpose. God's purpose. So there's an old preacher story, and... I, I saw Dick Summers this morning at the early services. He said that he used this story, so you, you maybe have heard it. It's a story about somebody walking along and seeing some people working. A bunch of people were working, and uh, they went up to the first person and said, What are you doing? And they said, Well, I'm swinging my mallet. And then he asked the second person. You all have heard this story, right? Maybe. Went up to the second person. What are you doing? He said, I'm splitting rocks. Went up to the third person. What are you doing? I'm building a wall. I went up to the fourth person and said, what are you all doing? I said, building a cathedral. Now, that's usually where the story ends. It's not where the story should end. Jesus did not say to his disciples, seek ye first the building of cathedrals and church edifices. That is not the first thing Jesus said for us to be seeking. That is not the purpose of the cathedral. What did he say? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. The purpose of churches and buildings is the kingdom of God, this new creation that God has promised and that we have the first fruits of we're groaning because creation is subjective futility and we see stuff going on in the world and we groan inwardly. Like I heard yesterday that there was this guy in Jacksonville shot people. 
and I just groan. There were four other shootings yesterday, mass shootings. The one in Jacksonville, the guy hates black people. Groan! Creation groans, and the first fruit, the Spirit in us groans too. That's what the Spirit does, is it aligns us up with God's purpose, God's promise. The work in the Spirit is work for God's new creation. Uh, when we talk about the work of the Spirit, we often talk about God's gifts. The Spirit gives us gifts. And, and, and the word for gifts in the New Testament is charisma. And the chief gift that the Spirit gives is the gift of faith. The Spirit gives Christians an awareness of the purpose of our lives and our work. We serve the glorious purpose of God. We serve God's glorious purpose through ordinary, mundane worldly things that we just do day in and day out and probably don't think a lot about. We might think, well, you know, when Jesus talks about work, what does he do? You know, he calls those first disciples, they leave their nets and they follow him. And then John, Jesus calls Matthew the disciple. He leaves his tax collecting booth and follows Jesus. But most of the people, the vast majority of people who ever listened to Jesus and took his words to heart didn't leave anything. They kept doing the work they were doing it, but doing it in a different way, with a different end and purpose. And so they raised families and they took care of the neighbor down the street who needed a little help and they served on the boards of their synagogues and they just lived ordinary lives like you and I are living. The Spirit gives us the gift of faith, but it gives us other gifts for work, for God's work. The charismatic movement tended to limit God's gifts to spectacularly miraculous things. Um, supernatural, superhuman capabilities, that's kind of what it was. And um, I don't know about all of that, but uh, you know, sometimes it was, I think it was genuine, and other times, uh, I don't know. Um, usually the church has then interpreted God's gifts, the charisma, in terms of church offices, churchly gifts for the churchly elite. So in Ephesians, this is the passage people go to, it says God gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. Now, some of us are teachers in this room, but how many other preachers have we got this morning? Or evangelists? Pastors? If this was the sum total of all God's gifts, we would rightly focus on people like me, you know, the charismatic leaders who lead the church. But the Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Everyone has gifts of the Spirit, and what I want to say to you today is you have gifts of the Spirit, that you need to kind of identify and claim. Maybe you've worked hard to perfect this gift. Maybe you went to some school. Maybe you've worked in an area for some time. You have some expertise. Maybe suddenly you're in some new situation. You, you know, never dealt with this, but I've dealt with this in another, and it fits. But God gives gifts to people. The gifts of the Holy Spirit do not find their fullness within these four walls. They sanctify and empower us to seek God's new creation in the transformation of the world. Now, they're not just spiritual. If you go through the Bible, they're not just strictly what we think of as spiritual gifts. There are spiritual gifts, but there are other gifts as well that you might not, you might be surprised. 
So in Chronicles chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, we read that David gave his son Solomon the plans of all the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord. Any architects here? Probably ought to be this, that, and the other thing. I mean, it, architecture. Uh, in Exodus 31, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, I, See, I've called Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Holy Spirit with ability and intelligence and knowledge for every kind of craft to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood and every kind of craft. The, spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not just what we think of as spiritual. It's, it's everything that can be used for the new heavens and the new earth, the work and ministry of reconciliation, the peace that Christ has won in the victory on the cross. And so in the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit gives intellectual gifts of wisdom, knowledge. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of art and craft, gifts to help people rule with justice, and gifts of character. God's gifts, by the way, are not just for your enjoyment, you know, and, and self-aggrandizement. They're much more like when I was a kid, and I, my mom, remember my mom's, you know, I was going, going to a birthday party. My mom says, it's time for us to go, get in the car. And I got in the car, and she said, do you have your gift? Well, this gift was not for me. It was for the guy whose birthday it was. And that's how it is with God's gifts. God gives you gifts for others, for the work of ministry. The Holy Spirit not only empowers us for work by giving us gifts, but manifests fruits that help us to work with a different attitude. Now, when you're working in the power of the Spirit, your work may not look like a whole lot different from everybody else's work. May, may be just like everybody else's work. Uh, preparing reports or showing up at meetings or handling customers or leading a classroom or whatever it is. You, you do not have to be a Christian to build a cathedral. Work in the Spirit, though, is done with a different attitude that is shaped by faith. That is... By faith, we see Jesus Christ. We remember his servant attitude. Uh, the Spirit helps us to understand the hope as we long for the new creation. The Spirit is God with us. We know that we're not alone. This work in the Spirit is done in the presence of God. And this fills us with a new and different attitude. Faith liberates us from malice and revenge or envy or greed, self-aggrandizement, self-seeking, or fear. It liberates our work from that. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Because if you see the big picture and you know how much God has loved you in Jesus Christ, 
you know that there's nothing in life or in death that can separate you from the love of God, you will do your work with a different mindset, a different attitude. That is, the Spirit not only shapes what you do, but how you do it. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, pour your Holy Spirit upon us, a fresh measure of Spirit, so that we might reflect the love of Christ in everything that we do. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us and give us new gifts. Help us to see how we may employ all the gifts that you have given to us towards your great purpose, to bring healing to your world. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us so that we might manifest the fruit of faith and do what we do with the mindset of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.